Hey there. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? You know, I'm taking a look at this, uh, you know, fine, fine day. Yeah, I know weather's always here and there and, and really never, never what we really want it to be. You know, we kind of cross our fingers, but you know, it can't be sunny and warm every single day because we're not living in the right climate for it. But because we live here, you know, we got to talk about things that are really important, and that comes down to real estate. And this is one of those weeks that, again, I'm going to be talking about real estate, as I do every single week. By the way, um, an incredible guest is going to join me today. I've never had her on the show. In fact, I've never even talked to the association. Now, I've been to one of their meetings years and years ago as a realtor, but I actually have Dr. Jessica Louts joining me. She is the vice president of the National Association of Realtors, and she focuses on demographics and behavioral insights. Yep, you're right. I'm going south of the border. You know, a lot of people want to know what's going down in the U.S., and so Dr. Louts is going to join me, and we're going to have a good conversation uh, this hour. And so you don't want to miss that because, again, is the U.S. a parallel to us? Are we following them? Are they following us? You know, in real estate, that's always been one of the questions that I get. You know, Todd, should I invest in the U.S.? Hey, what about these power sales down there? Are they a good deal? I got to tell you, you know what? A good to talk to the experts. Um, you know, I have played in the markets in the U.S. There are opportunities there. We will get into that a little bit later, but the most important thing is, you know, knowledge. And so having uh, somebody like Dr. Louts joining us is going to be great. But a lot to talk about this week. Um, I do want to ask you one important question. Have you set your New Year's goal? Well, of course, you know I'm leading into something here, and of course I always do. So the reason why I asked the question is because coming up on Thursday, January the 6th, that's right, 2022, I am going to be running a simple real estate investment webinar. It is different than the other ones if you've attended. Um, and just so you know, I do have a new special limited release coming out on that night, that night only. And it's going to be really exciting. And so you don't want to miss out on this. Uh, so that is Thursday, January the 6th. Yep, 2022 at 7 p.m. You can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. It's going to be really exciting. And uh, yeah, you don't want to miss this one. I, I, you know what? Put it on your calendar. Maybe it's the first thing you've got set up for 2022. But um, I got to tell you, uh, lots of conversations going on in the marketplaces. Hey, what's the hottest market right now? Anybody know? I'm just throwing it out there asking the question because... By what they are telling us right now, the busiest marketplace, you're not going to believe it. Well, maybe you will believe it because maybe you live there or maybe you've sold out of there and reaped the rewards. Brampton, Ontario, hottest market right now. You know, when we talk about it, they've had the prices jumped almost 25% this year. Wow, 25% increase. You know, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Brampton, right near uh, Pearson Airport, north of Mississauga, south of Caledon, you know, and it's amazing when you take a look at that kind of increase. We've had different increases, hot markets, Brampton is it right now, and that doesn't mean that everybody should go run to Brampton to uh, to buy, okay? Uh, maybe the, the ship has sailed, but I gotta tell you, big, big marketplace, uh, doing exceptionally well, growing. Um, 
the you know the one thing that places like a Brampton that have a lot of building going on they do have to keep up with their infrastructure making sure that everything's done so you know that's that's the only thing that sometimes these marketplaces have to contend with now i i want to know i want to know what uh, you know and and you can always text me or email me but i want to know what your opinion is when people start throwing out things such as oh i don't know let's create a pricing war um tell you what when we throw it out for a buck um, a lot of times when people throw this kind of stuff into the marketplace, you know they're trying to attract multiple offers because nobody's going to sell a property for a dollar. But what about people that are doing it, you know, and I'm just going to throw out a sale that came up. You know, the agent thought, okay, $3.8 is going to be the right range. It's in a really, really hot pocket in Etobicoke. You know, $3.8 million, that's what the property's worth, maybe $3.9. And then they turn around and they price it around $3.5. You know, is this right? Is it fair? And, you know, I know a lot of times realtors will say, hang on, Todd, you know, what we do is we offer the client a way to get multiple offers. I get it. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's, it, it will work well for the client, but this is where we're kind of coming into that point where what's fair for the buyers, because the buyers have been the ones that have been, you know, really, I guess, losing it because, you know, you get 20 offers, you know, multiple offers, everybody's talking about transparency. This is where the waters can get muddied. And my only comment should be and will be, all realtors that are conducting multiple offers, make sure you do your best to do it properly. Make sure there's as much transparency as you are allowed. And in the same breath, you know, be fair. You know what, don't set your client up for expectations that you're not going to meet, okay? Because again, remember how these markets can shift. If you've been in real estate long enough, you can know that one week somebody's going to get multiple offers. You try to pull that the next week and it may not happen. So my only point would be whatever realtor is representing both buyer and seller, make sure you know exactly what the market's doing. Make sure you've done your homework because, you know, we're watching some of this stuff and it seems like it's just kind of blow up on people. So again, be very careful with this kind of stuff because when you're trying to set up pricing wars, sometimes it backfires and the client will actually get less. So just keep that in mind when you're playing in this game. Um, other things, you know, when we take a look there was, there was an article out, and, and I got to talk about it because, you know, somebody, everybody wants to talk about the bubble. And again, I'm sorry, we're not in a bubble. And yes, most people are saying, well, the speculators came into the market, Todd, that makes it a bubble. No, it doesn't. We don't have enough inventory to make a bubble. So bubbles only create uh, get created when there's, you know, too many properties, not enough buyers. And when we're running the inventory shortage that we're running, we're just, we're just not going to get there, folks. Like, no matter what, we can sit there and wish for a price correction. But it was interesting because it was an article about a, even with a 50% correction, Toronto House prices would only return to 2014 levels. And so, you know, it's only taken them back seven years. And this is where I think a lot of people, you know, when they talk about a price adjustment, if you thought 2014 was sort of affordable, and let's say we do even a correction of 25%, so we're talking about 2018, everybody was complaining that 2018 wasn't affordable. So what's affordability going to happen? How is it going to happen? Again, I will continue to say there is no answer. The, the, the government's not going to provide the answer. And, you know, now they're going to put pressure on a lot of developers that they're going to have to make sure that they do affordable housing. And 
the word affordable housing should actually be changed. We just reverse it and say housing that's affordable. And what does that look like? So this is this is where, again, the government's going to stick a nose into it. Maybe it's a positive thing for some of these developers to try to add you know, to the marketplace some stuff that's a little bit affordable. But when the conversation came up, just so you know, people started talking about, okay, so let's talk about a condo. And so right now, condos in Toronto, you know, 1000 to $1,400 a square foot, no problem, brand new, that's just going to happen. So what are we going to do? Are we going to make it $500 a square foot? Well, what's the fit and finishings there? And do they have use of the amenities? See, this is the thing that's going to happen. Are you going to have a separate entrance for the people that have the housing that's affordable? Are you going to segregate people by saying, well, I'm on the rich side of the track. I'm on you know, the affordable side of the track. Where is this going to go? And we have to be exceptionally careful on what we are requesting. And quite frankly, what I think the, the government, if they're going to encourage the private sector to build because we need it, like let's be honest, we need housing that's affordable, we need extra community housing, we need all of it. The, what they should do is turn around, give them sites that they can do specific building and do it that way. Because I think the divide will create a problem for people and not one that's necessary but people can be people and i think that that should be a concern as we move forward and again listen i'm 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 all for everybody having home ownership and and having a decent place to live very very important but ultimately i think that the government you know may create a problem and i'm not sure how they're going to get themselves out of this one so we've got to take a hard look at that and start thinking about where and what they should be doing um speaking of where how about uh, guelph being part of the gta you know what, can you actually consider, you know, the GTA going as far as Guelph? Well, you know, we take a look at Barry, and a lot of people are saying that, you know, Barry's just going to be part of the GTA, so why not Guelph? Well, Guelph continues to be a hot ticket in the marketplace. You know, prices are up. Still really good affordability, I will tell you that, owning some properties in Guelph. I think the affordability is there for sure. But you know what? It's one of the big tickets right now. We are watching Guelph, you know, start putting more condos in place. You know, they weren't the, they weren't doing with the towers, but now they are. Even London, Ontario, we're watching a lot of towers being built. This is the kind of stuff. We're watching these outer markets. People that drive an hour, hour and a half, you know, we're looking at the affordability with the change, the way work is being done, things a little bit more remote. You know what? I'm going to tell you, I think that we're going to watch, you know, Kitchener, Guelph, Waterloo, these areas kind of get, you know, drawn into the GTA. Just as I mentioned, Barry, I think these marketplaces are going to continue to be more attractive. And if we, you know, solve some of the transit issues, I think that that's what we're going to find. We're going to find these areas, actually just one big, huge, happy family of the greater Toronto area. So, you know what, I'm not going to be surprised. And this is why when we take a look at the, some of the single family homes in Guelph, virtually no inventory stuff is selling out right away. So I'm pretty sure that a lot of people in the Guelph area are actually quite impressed on what's happening in the marketplace. So... Um, as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, um, I'm going to have uh, Dr. Louts joining me, and uh, she is from the National Association of Realtors in the U.S. Uh, I'm very excited about having her join me, uh, and and you know it's it's just great because again we always draw a comparison to the U.S. Well, let's let's get it really from the professional and and what she sees the U.S. market doing. So excited about that. As I mentioned, you know what? If you haven't figured out your New Year's resolution, and I know you're all going. It's only November. I don't do New Year's resolutions until New Year's Eve. I get it. 
And even on New Year's Eve, you can turn around and click on the link from thesimpleinvestor.com and you can register for our Simple Real Estate Investment webinar. That's right, coming up on Thursday, January the 6th at 7 p.m. And I am going to talk about what is going to happen in 2022. But coming up next, as I mentioned, we'll be joined by Dr. Lout. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Um, I have to tell you, I'm so excited about my guest joining me now. And, you know, a lot of times you'll hear me refer to the, the you know, U.S.-based market and how it definitely has such a reflection here in Canada. But, you know, I, I don't want to just keep talking about it from my perspective. So fortunately, uh, we've been able to get a special guest to join us this week. Um, she is Dr. Jessica Lautz, and she is the National Association of Realtors Vice President of Demographics and Behavioral Insights. And Dr. Lautz, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, you know what? It's amazing that you, you, you I, I know you're very, very busy and you know, you're, you're always going around talking uh, to different parts of the country. And so I really appreciate your time today. Um, I do want to get started. You know, basically, maybe you can give us a little bit of an insight where you see the current existing market. Uh, and then we're going to talk about all sorts of, you know, wonderful articles we were able to get that you have, uh, have been quoted in and have, and have done. But maybe you can tell us, what's, what's the lay of the land right now? You know, we, we consider it south of the border. I know, I know from your perspective, it's, you know, we're, we're north of the border. So let's, let's, let's figure out what is the U.S. market real estate looking like right now? Yeah, I, it, I mean, it is hot. And I think we all know that, though, real estate is very, uh, it's it's a driver right now. We know that people want to move because of the pandemic. It has changed priorities in people's lives, but they're taking advantage of low interest rates that they really can get right now with the 30-year fixed um, around 3%. And that's an incredible driver as well. Um, we also know that a lot of people have saved money in the last year and they're buying vacation homes. So there's a lot of first-time home buyers taking advantage of rates. There's a lot of vacation buyers who are saying, let me buy a second property right now. And there's a lot of people who are saying work from home has changed my priorities. So um, there's a lot of activity. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do want to drill that down a little because I've been talking about this since the, the start of the pandemic. And, you know, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, th I think real estate and, and home, meaning home ownership, has been redefined during these times. You know, one of the most important things during the lockdown, people realized, uh, you know, how significant it was for them to have the proper space and being able to utilize their home. You know, we didn't see people obviously going on vacations the way they did. So, you know, in the case of companies like uh, like a Home Depot, they were saying, you know, massive increase in renovations, people doing, you know, work home projects. You know, we have seen, you know, people adding or, you know, refinishing basements just to give them that extra living space. You know, are you seeing this as being a big part of the reflection in, you know, the values of real estate going up? Absolutely. I think if you stayed put, you probably needed to tackle something. And maybe that's just creating a home office out of a big walk-in closet. And that suddenly became your go-to space during the day. Um, but a lot of people are renovating much beyond the home office, understanding the value of having a really uh, well-equipped kitchen or having your own farm to table where you grow your own vegetables and you're cooking those at the end of the day. And people really have understood the value of home in a different way. Um, the other big thing that we have seen during the pandemic is that 
people are doubling up in different ways. Maybe that's a young adult who decided to move back home um, because they're not going to college or because their job was lost in a city center, or they just have the ability and the flexibility to do that now. But we also saw a lot of older adults who may have been in nursing homes or assisted living. They're now at home and that drives renovation activity as well. Just making sure that home is safe for that elderly relative. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, part of part of the things that we've been reflecting on here, um, you know, both when we talk about, you know, seniors or people that are a little bit more mature considering on the moving up and out, you know, a lot of people during the pandemic decided not to sell. You know, they were just at that that beginning at the time saying, listen, you know what, maybe we're going to sell. And a lot of them have done the turnaround and said, you know what, I, th- I think we're going to stay an extra five years. But there was this anticipation in the marketplaces that we're going to see some of this inventory come into the marketplace from the downsizers. And it seems like we've kind of skipped that entirely, where a lot of these people have decided to stay put. And as you mentioned, you know, some of the kids will come move back home with their parents, things like that. But it seems like the, the move up home has actually frozen a little during this time. Absolutely. And we're seeing that even for people who are making trades, they're not downsizing. They're really saying, I need this square footage. And maybe it's the anticipation of someone coming home. Maybe it's the anticipation of just the holidays and wanting that family around you and wanting to have enough guest rooms and enough space to really spread out. Um, But we are seeing that people are making trades in very, very similar square footage and downsizing is kind of out as a trend. Tenure in home, the amount of time that people hold on to their homes before selling, that's steadily increased after the Great Recession, after the global financial crisis. And it was a high of 10 years of people holding on to properties. It did decline this year to eight years, but still a longer time than we have seen historically. You know, you and I were just mentioning about, you know, people renovating and doing certain things to their homes. One of the things that, you know, we have noted, and and I'm pretty sure this is, you know, the same happening in your marketplaces, is this huge uptick in people putting in pools or hot tubs or doing, you know, more renovations to utilize their backyards. In fact, uh, right now, in when we talk about, you know, uh, Canada, Ontario, um, most pool companies are saying they have to book almost two years in advance to be wow. able to put a pool in. And, you know, I'm not sure if your marketplace felt the same thing, but because of the lockdowns, a lot of people felt that, you know what, it's better for them to add this to their home than, you know, knowing that they're not going to be able to vacation, you know, as, as usual. I could certainly see that. And then with all the supply shortages that we're having, um, really on a worldwide scale, knowing this supply crisis that's happening, just for all the parts that goes into a hot tub, if one thing is broken within that hot tub, you may be really waiting for a long period of time to actually get that. So I could see that really being a supply chain issue as much as a demand issue right now. Right. And, you know, a a lot of times, you know, being a practicing realtor for years and years, you know, a lot of people said, well, they didn't see the value in having pools. You know, they were very specific. You know, if if the family had young children, they would utilize it. But now it's amazing because anything that comes into the marketplace in the GTA of Toronto, we see that, you know, anybody with a pool, it seems like they're getting even more of a premium on a sale price. And again, these are just things that, you know, just another reflection of what the pandemic and how the mindset has changed. Absolutely. And even thinking within the home, having those almost luxury features, not everyone can afford a pool, 
But even having that spa bathroom, it makes you feel like you're transported out of where you are currently. And those small luxuries can be incredibly important to buyers today and also homeowners. And I think that's why we're seeing such an increased demand in renovations. Even having a sauna in your house may be something that traditionally you'd go to a fancy hotel or a resort for. But now if you can have that within your home, it's really within reach. Yeah, that's a great point because, you know, I, I, I can tell you my wife feels the same way with our house, you know, not being able to, to go out to the spa, but, you know, having that, that soaker tub meant a lot to her. So I think, uh, I think I got off lucky actually with that one, but, um, <laughs> you know, when, when, when we talk about the mindset of people, you know, you know, in the, in the very beginning, of course, there was the shock of the situation, but we are now seeing people adjusting to it. Do you see the, 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 I guess the mindset of real estate staying in this place for quite a while, you know, as we go through different waves and different, you know, situations throughout the world, do you see real estate really staying as strong as it has been? I think so. But I think some of it, we have to, we have to make note of the demographics. We know that looking towards the future for the next few years, we have an incredible share of young adults who are going to be aging into their prime first-time home buying years. Those young millennials are going to be ready to be buyers. And that's going to drive demand as much as this changing environment, the changing workplace, um, all of which is really in transition. Um, so I, I think we do have very strong demand moving forward well into 2022 for sure. Okay. Well, we're going to go to a quick break, but I do want you to stay put because I do want to talk to you more. Folks, if you're just tuning in, my guest this hour, uh, she is Dr. Jessica Louts, and she is the Vice President of the National Association of Realtors, and she focuses on the demographics and behavioral insights. Uh, listen, you don't want to miss this. You know, it, this, is, this is really, really good firsthand information. So stay with us. We'll come back right after this. And welcome back. Just so you know, my guest this hour joining me, uh, definitely no stranger to real estate, but you know what? This is uh, this is the first time that I've actually been able to uh, to have her join me on the show, and uh, she is Dr. Jessica Louts, and she is the vice president of the National Association of Realtors, and she focuses on demographics and behavioral insights. And so we are talking south of the border, folks. But as you know, I always try to make sure everybody has a good understanding about the North American real estate market. And Dr. Louts, just before the break you had started to bring up the fact that we have a very large demographic that are now going to be coming into the marketplace to probably get their first home. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. So what we've seen historically is the age of a first-time home buyer, it ranges between 28 and 32. Uh, for the last three years, though, the age of a first-time home buyer has been 33 years old. So a little bit higher. They have headwinds like low inventory and rising home prices. Student loan debt is a really big problem in the U.S. and that holds back the ability to save. Right now, what we see in the U.S. at least is that the biggest share of Americans is 27 to 32. They're aging right into that first-time home buyer bracket. And we know that those young adults, they're going to be coming in and they want to buy homes. They don't necessarily want to live in their parents' basement forever. They don't want to be renters. They're ready to be owners. And that's going to put a pressure on demand like we haven't seen before as these young adults really do age into their peak home buying years. So when we talk about first-time home buyers, you know, there's a few obstacles that most people have to overcome. 
uh, one is inventory and finding the right property. And, you know, here in the, the greater Toronto area, you know, we've had an inventory shortage. Um, I know that different, different cities and states in the U.S. have had the same issue, mm-hmm. just low inventory, really hard to get, you know, product to market. But one of the biggest things, because of the pandemic, we watched the, the U.S. Fed, the Canadian, um, you know, banks, drop the interest rates and so the bank of canada has now announced that we're going to see upward pressure on interest rates about april to may of 2022 i know that they are following suit with the u.s fed do you think this is going to get more people into the market quicker before we start seeing the interest rate hike yeah absolutely so i feel like first-time buyers especially those who are trying to find a more affordable property those who might be on the fringe where they might barely be able to be a homeowner today they're going to feel that pressure that they'll need to jump into the market before rates rise as rates do rise and that is the expectation that we have here in the us um in in 2022 i think that that might push out some of the folks who are on the sidelines they're watching home prices rise they're watching interest rates rise and suddenly that's just unaffordable to them unless they get a big boost in income um, pretty quickly. Well, you know, and, and when the when the U.S. Fed announced that they're going to be uh, using increasing the rates again, I think I think they'll use the same, I, I think, measuring stick that the Bank of Canada will. They only want to just introduce a small increase and see how the market absorbs it. Is that how you feel? Because I can tell you here, Tiff Macklin, the head of the Bank of Canada, he has said, look, we're, we're, we're not going to drive these rates really fast. We have to see how the economy absorbs this. Because again, historically low interest rates are one of the things that have kept the economy going. They're afraid that if they push it too fast, it's going to tip the economy the other way. Is the U.S. Fed thinking the same thing? It seems to be that that is the expectation and they're holding steady right now. Um, but moving into 2022, uh, our interest rate currently for the 30 year fixed, it's hovering around 3%. The expectation is it's going to go to about 3.5%. So for comparison, not too high, um, really historically low if we look at that historically. Uh, but that is going to just put that pressure on people who may be on the, on the, Uh, outskirts of buying and that's just going to push them into the I just can't make that decision right now. You know and it's interesting because I know you do study you know more the behavioral aspect of things and you know the one point you know and this is this is what we've been experiencing here that when people get used or get lulled into that sense of low interest rate just the idea of a half a point you know is, is staggering to them but as you said historically low I mean you know, when you when you think about a 30 year, you know, fixed interest rate at three and a half percent, I mean, that that is staggering considering the numbers that we've seen in the past. And yet there are those people that will look at that and say, well, I'm not going to pay that. That's ridiculous. And it's sort of like, you know, it, it's that new norm that we've been shifted into. And unfortunately, with with it staying as long as it has this, I don't know if this has created just that false idea that interest rates should remain where they are today. And again, the entitlement almost because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can remember the first property I, I bought, I, I think it was 14% interest. And, you know, looking back at that, you know, and, and thinking 3% nowadays is just, it's unbelievable. 
Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I was talking to a first-time home buyer um, just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, she was locking in three even. And I said, "Wow, that's an incredible rate for my first home. I got six and a half percent." She said, "Oh my goodness, six and a half percent." So, in in comparison, when I had that six and a half percent, I thought this is a great rate. So, you know, it is all in comparison and all in recent history of what we what we know, um, I suppose. But those double-digit interest rates. First-time home buyers faced those back in the 80s for a very long period of time, and that became very um, difficult for them to enter the market. And we actually saw low levels of first-time home buyers at that time period too. Yeah. So I know you do work with the profile of home buyers and sellers, and there's a 40th anniversary and some of the highlights. And it's it's interesting, you know, some of the things that that you see that's happened over the last 40 years. Can you can you take us through a few things that you you've been able to recognize? Yeah, so I think one of the things that's really interesting to me is to see uh, pretty consistently a drop in marriage rates in this country. So we we are seeing that just half of American adults are married. At its peak, when we look back, it used to be that more than 70% of American adults were married. So um, that is something that we're seeing a reflection of, of home buyers today. We're seeing more single women as home buyers, more unmarried couples uh, who are purchasing homes together, more roommates who are purchasing homes together. So finding creative ways, given the affordability crisis, to really say, okay, how can I double up and make this purchase happen? Maybe it's not individually. Maybe it's with a partner here. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, as as you mentioned, we, we take a look at the marriage rate, you know, divorce rate uh, has increased, which means that, you know, splitting up, we, we find more homes are being consumed. Um, are you finding an inventory shortage in your marketplaces? You know, one of, one of the things that, and, and you know, not knowing 100% of your, your construction rules in here in the greater Toronto area in Ontario, you know, we have red tape that is about two miles long to add to another two miles long <laughs> of red tape. You know, when developers come into our marketplace, uh, a lot of times, you know, they, they can't do anything basically for five to 10 years. Are you experiencing the same delays in your marketplaces? So we do have delays. I'm not sure if it's five to 10 years. That's a very long period of time. Um, but we are seeing delays. And some of it is uh, zoning and regulatory pressure, um, areas being zoned for single family housing when really multifamily may be the more appropriate housing type in that area. Um, or smaller homes may be more appropriate. But Builders are having a hard time seeing the profit in that um, because the labor costs are so high right now, but they're also running into all the supply constraints that have been talked about quite a bit. So lumber, steel, um, but even going into really uh, nitty gritty details of having a, a shortage of matte paint, flat paint um, to actually paint a new home with they're running into issues with that. So as all of these supply issues really do build up, it does take a longer period of time to build a home. Um, and there's a lot of uh, reasons why that is happening today. Right. And and again, you know, if people are buying new homes, uh, of course, in the builder's uh, agreement of purchase and sale, they do have the ability to delay things. You know, we've had a lot of situations here that we've been looking at, you know, a builder will say, okay, we're going to have a closing of 2019. And as of today, they still have not closed. <laughs> you know, a lot of this is for the new condominium development. And again, mm -hmm. you know, we can look at supply chain, we can look at red tape. A lot of times people make their plans, but they struggle. Now, the only positive thing that comes out of that normally is the fact that prices have continued to go up. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're seeing very, very similar things here in the U.S. as well as uh, people may say, okay, I'm going to close within the next six months, nine months on a new property, and then it is delayed pretty considerably. Um, and some builders are even saying, I just can't deliver this product overall. Um, it's just not a possibility. So we do see that uh, purchasing of new homes, new newly built properties has actually declined um, and stayed relatively low in recent years just because of the lack of availability. Um, in some of the Southern states, there's more new build construction. Uh, but if we look at the Northeast, it's really in short supply. And some of that is regulatory. Some of it's just the lack of land to actually build on as well. Right. Um, Dr. Lutz, I'm going to ask you to hang on for a second. Uh, folks, we're going to go to a quick break, but just so you know, Dr. Jessica Lutz, she is the Vice President of the National Association of Realtors, is with me right now. And stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Um, if you're just tuning into the show, my guest this hour is Dr. Jessica Lutz, and she is the Vice President of Demographics and Behavioral Insights uh, at the National Association of Realtors, and we've just been having a wonderful discussion. And Doctor, I, I really do appreciate coming on mm-hmm. with me today. Um, you know, to get your insight on what's happening, what what we call south of the border, but of course <laughs> in the U.S. And uh, lots lots to discuss still, because one of the things that I think um, is is happening now, in you know, both north and south of the border, of course. Are offices starting to open up? You know, we we are hoping to look at the end of you know the current world crisis, but ultimately, you know, when the offices start reopening, are we going to see any kind of change in the world of real estate? You know, what what we found was a lot of people moved out of the major city for affordability because they could work at home. Are we going to see people shift back? Yeah, this I love this topic because it really has changed the way that we're living and working um, in the last couple of years now. Almost, um, we have seen that even for first-time home buyers, even for the youngest millennials out there, they're more likely to be purchasing in small towns right now than they are to be purchasing in urban centers because they've really been allowed to be divorced from those urban centers where the workplaces are. Um, I do think that this is likely to continue because at least what we're seeing in the U.S. is that CEOs are saying, if I want to attract and retain talent and really keep them, I have to have some sort of hybrid work schedule. Um, And maybe that's just coming into the office a couple of days a week. And that allows people to have a longer commute time for the couple of days that they do come in. You know, that is actually a perfect part because um, just so you know, so, and I'm sure most of your suburban markets have had, you know, the greater increases than let's say the the core cities. For ourselves here in the GTA, um, we found that the suburbs, you know, in exactly that, an hour, hour and a half outside of Toronto or the greater Toronto area, we've watched these marketplaces go up anywhere from 30 to 50% increase in value in the last 18 months. And again, it goes back to the fact that people are now working at home. But, you know, they look at affordability because now when they go into the outer market, they can afford the home with that home office. And, you know, you and I talked about that in one of the earlier segments that, you know, home offices are seem to be a little bit more important than before because, you know, everybody was doing their work at work. But now with the idea of working with the hybrid schedules or, for that matter, people just saying, look at, I'm going to be staying working from home. There are companies that seem to be downsizing. Are we going to see a little bit of a run, let's say, on your typical office building where we're just not going to have them as full as they once were? 
Yeah, I I do question what's going to happen to those office buildings and city centers. We're starting to see in the U.S. that some builders and developers are looking at those for conversion projects. Um, So we know we're short on residential properties, but maybe we may have a glut really on office space and that's going to be slow to recover. It has been slow to recover. So seeing those being converted into smaller units um, for residential properties, multifamily homes, that might be an opportunity for developers to really come in. Um, we've seen that in the U.S., in the mall space, in uh, motels and hotel spaces already. Uh, so it may be an opportunity that we see going forward. Uh, because if you want to retain talent, and that's the hard thing to do right now, you have to be flexible as a CEO and allow your, your workforce to show what they've already showed for the last two years, which is they can work from home and be incredibly productive. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned that because I've had some developers on with me, you know, and we've had the conversations where we believe that the commercial entities actually will be, you know, you create a bit of a hybrid and you'll put some residential with it. And because the buildings are already existing, a renovation's a lot easier than from a ground up construction. And mm-hmm. some of the major landlords, um, you know, in the greater Toronto area are considering this. You know, we, we talked about it actually right out of the gate when this happened, because a lot of people were in fear that, you know, they just wouldn't get the bounce back. So, you know, I agree with you. And I, I think I think this is more of a, a world conversation that when we talk about large corporations and the downsizing and people working from home. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, a lot of times up until, you know, 24 months ago, you know, I had no idea how to use Zoom <laughs> since that time, <laughs> you know, I've been able to utilize Zoom for a lot of my client meetings and everything else. And it's amazing how technology has advanced. And, you know, that's one other thing that I, I you know, I wanted to talk to you about. Are you finding that, you know, homeowners now, um, you know, in our outer markets, they're all, all always concerned that they're going to have internet access. So, you know, they mm-hmm. got to make sure the towers are in the smaller towns and things like that. And that's one of the biggest questions that we had during, you know, this, 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 I would say the situation where people were looking at vacation properties and moving to their vacation properties, but they didn't have access to the internet. Mm-hmm. So it, in, you know, it really in, inhibited them from doing it. But now, you know, a lot of these companies have now increased the amount of, of coverage they have. Yeah, it is such a high priority for vacation buyers, for primary residence buyers, moving to outer suburbs and small towns to really have that broadband access, the internet access. Um, it's so essential. And it's not just having access to it. It needs to be able to support often two working couples uh, or two co- two individuals and a couple um, who would be working at home. And that's so important to have really fast internet to support that, um, that team. And so we do see that uh, for home buyers, it's important, uh, but just having that, that infrastructure there. We do know in the U.S. there's an expansion of broadband access. There really has been a priority on that. And even for schooling, we know that a lot of schools went hybrid or remote over the last two years. And to have that availability to do that as well for kids is really important to keep their learning going. Um, so, Dr. Lowe, is there anything else you want to share with us? Um, you know, I, it's been wonderful to chat with you, but am, am I missing anything that I should not be asking you? <laughs> so, I do think we're, we're seeing this very fast-moving market. We're seeing a very hot market in real estate. There is a, a chance in the coming year that with this increased demand from from young buyers, young millennials coming in, that it's going to stay pretty strong. But we we do hope that it goes back to a normalized pace as perhaps 
those slightly higher interest rates may price out some of the buyers who, who are interested in entering. Um, but we do hope that you know it, it is a more normalized and balanced market moving forward. That would be better for both uh, sides of the equation. There are sellers who are looking to find a new home and buyers who are trying to enter the market. I agree. I think I think the normal pace, you know, we've we've had crazy increases, double digit increases. I think I think that it's just a it's not sustainable, but more more so it would be nice to have more of that balanced market. So I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I just want to thank you so much for joining me uh, this hour. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and I really appreciate you uh, being part of it. Thank you. It's been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that was Dr. Jessica Louds, and she is the vice president at the National Association of Realtors, and she does focus on demographics and behavioral insights. But I got to tell you, um, the NAR is uh, it is the biggest association in the United States, and you know when they do uh, when they have their meetings, we we talk about hundreds of thousands of realtors that get together and really, really insightful information that, uh, that Dr. Lutz was able to give us, you know, and it, it's interesting on the parallel, you know, a lot of times, you know, we always think that, um, you know, the U.S. is kind of like the big brother. Sometimes we lead the way in real estate. Sometimes they lead the way in real estate, you know, uh, but definitely something that we can track when we see what's going on there. And again, really not a huge difference, you know, right now where we sit today, real estate, high demand, yes, you know, interest rates are driving it, uh, low inventory. I don't think they've got the same red tape we do, and that just makes us that much more special here in the GTA, doesn't it? You know what, we we wanna do things, you know, a little bit better. Let's, let's add more red tape. You know, where's the place that you can get the most red tape? Oh, go to Toronto. Anyways, I know I'm being facetious, but anyways, the point is, is that uh, great to have such an amazing expert join us. And uh, speaking of joining, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, have you got your New Year's resolution figured out? Is it going to be time to become a real estate investor or were you thinking of adding to your portfolio? Well, as I mentioned, you know what? Yeah, I'm talking about the new year already. January the 6th, that's a Thursday at 7 p.m. Join me for my simple real estate investment webinar. And by the way, guess what? I've got a new release and you're only gonna be able to find out during the webinar. So you can sign up at thesimpleinvestor.com and uh, that's about it for this week. Don't forget you can follow me uh, on Instagram, the Simple Investor one I do want to thank Ian Grant. He keeps it simple for me every single week. I do want to thank you for tuning in, making us the number one real estate talk show. And I will be back next Sunday as usual at noon. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.